I watched your little video about the the bus system the other day. Oh god. That was good. <laughs> Let yeah. the driver know. <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> it was really good. Yeah. I uh I had a first date with a girl and she had uh googled that. Oh, and This is A New Angle, and I'm your host, Justin Angle, marketing professor at the University of Montana. This podcast is my chance to speak with cool people doing awesome things in and around the great state of Montana. Thanks for tuning in. This week's guest is Sam Schultz. This is an interview I've been wanting to do a long time. Sam was, I didn't meet him for a while into my time living here, but he was immediately on my radar screen. I moved to Missoula in the summer of 2012. And I mean, I say this in the interview, the first thing we did was hook up the cable in our house so we could watch the Olympics. And I remember my wife and I sitting on the floor of our living room watching the Olympics and watching Sam participate in those Olympics. And it was pretty amazing just to see the uh, the community rally behind him. And today we talk about the journey that, that led him to the Olympics in 2012, but also the journey he's been on since then. And, and that's where we, we focus a lot of our energy. Sam has... Uh, He's had some bumps in his road with regard to his health, uh, multiple back surgeries, and the long, the long short story of it is that he has no longer been able to race the level he, he had planned on racing for a long period of time. And so today we dig into his transition from you know top-level endurance athlete to kind of this more sole bike rider if you will. I mean, he still has sponsorships. He still participates in races. He's still an advocate for mountain biking. Um, he's still a giant presence in that community. And the grace with which he's transitioned and the passion he brings to his work is pretty inspiring. Sam talks about, uh, you know, some, some work in a recent race, uh, the Rock, uh, the, the BC bike race. He also Turk talks about his, uh, work he's doing to get a high school mountain bike racing league up and off the ground here in uh, in Montana. So Sam's doing awesome work. He's an inspiring guy. We had a fun conversation, and I will turn you over to Sam Schultz. So here today with Sam Schultz. Sam, thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so Sam, I got to say, so I moved to town in 2012, Pretty like the first thing we did in our house was hook up the cable to watch the the Olympics, right? And then all of a sudden we just hear that there's this guy from Missoula in the Olympics, Sam Schultz. Incredible, that was you. I, and yeah. you know, I see your dad riding through the neighborhood. He's like one of the strongest riders in the Rattlesnake. And you have a brother who's a pro racer or has been a pro racer. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. We both raced for for a long spell. Awesome. Yeah. So you're like the cycling family of Missoula. Um, one of them. <laughs> there's, uh, there's, there are many. Yeah, definitely. There are many. There's definitely many, but uh, but yeah, for sure. The, the whole whole crew's into it. Awesome. My so mom's let's... out there riding too. So really, oh, yeah. okay. maybe I've seen her and just. I'm have... sure. I'm sure you have. Right. Oh yeah. Right. Awesome. So anyway, I want to talk about about a lot of things. What you've been doing in the last you know six years since the Olympics and kind of your arc, um, uh, you know, as a cyclist. But let's go back to, you know, as a, as a kid growing up in, in Missoula, you know, what's that process like where you start to be thinking, okay, 
the cycling thing is something I'm interested in, something in go, I'm interested in going after. I mean, a lot of kids are into football, basketball, baseball, all those traditional team sports, and you're doing your own thing. How does that kind of emerge? Yeah, you know, um, I guess my uncle um, got my brother and I into, you know, like mountain biking at a little bit further level than uh, than my, I guess my dad was like just a real casual rider, but he, uh-huh. he would get out, he had a mountain bike, you know, my uncle was way more into it, you know, had like the latest and greatest, was in, had done a couple of races, and um, so he got my brother and I into it. And and he was here in Missoula too? He uh, lives in Anacortes, Washington. Oh, got it. So okay. we would, you know, visit him, he'd line up like his friend's sweet bikes for us to ride and we'd go, you know, show, he'd show us, you know, kind of what you can do on a mountain bike. There's some sweet riding around Anacortes too. Really cool riding. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that got us pretty hooked and especially me and I was riding all the time and he's like, oh, you should try a race. So I talked to my parents into driving me to a race, Lone Peaks Revenge at okay. Big Sky. Okay. And uh, it was like the last race of the season. I was 13. Uh, so I think it was maybe 99. Uh-huh. And did that race... Didn't do particularly well, but I survived it and had a you know, had fun. Ton, had a ton of fun. So, Caught know, the bug. Yeah. Yep. So that's all I you know or not all I wanted to do, but that was big focus from then on. You know, I yeah. just like was way into racing. So I just talked to my parents into driving me you know all over the region and turned into all over the country, and then you know eventually it was like flying flying all over the world. Sure. Racing sure. bikes. And at what point are you thinking like is this just sort of happening? Or are you what level of awareness do you have that, oh wow, I'm starting to have some success with this thing, and, and you know what are the what are the kind of voices going on in your head, and you're getting advice from others about you know how to how to proceed. Right. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> I was uh, wasn't the the fastest. You know, I had some some friends. Um, one friend that lived right across the street. Well, right across, we had a neighbor's yard that we had a, a trail blazed through, like an actual dirt trail from riding back and forth to each other's house so many times, uh-huh. but. Um, but we, you know, really fed off of each other, and he was quite a bit faster than me. My brother, you know, they were, I wasn't wasn't great, but then I finally, you know, I kind of uh, turned a corner and got a little bit faster. And sure, made it stuck my, with it. Yeah, so you know, made it my goal last year of as you know racing as a junior uh, to make the world championship team. Okay, and so that required just a little bit more travel to some national series events because mm-hmm. that's was, like eighteen and under. Yeah, okay. eighteen and under. Yeah, so that's based on you know, your, your national results. Like, I think it was your, your top three results or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so I had to, you know, we, my mom and I flew to Vermont to, you know, race in a mud fest race. I'd never ridden like, you know, actual mud and rocks and roots. Yeah. I've, I've done a bit of riding in Vermont. It tends to kill drivetrains pretty quickly. Yeah. And it's, it's just slick too, you know? So that was a big learning curve, but, um, but I managed to, to make that, that team, I was like a discretionary nomination. So, Uh um, had to, you know, pay my way there, but I mean, the Missoula community, like there were fundraisers and stuff and like got the money pretty easily, which yeah. was awesome, you know? Yeah. So I got to go to, um, it was uh Switzerland, Lugano, Switzerland was the, the first world championships okay. I went to. And then after that, you know, I'd gotten tied in, I met some of the people at USA cycling uh-huh. and they were starting a development program, uh, that next year. So I got a call in the fall and they were like, I had no plan, you know, I just knew that I wanted to keep riding my bike and that's one, you know, that was a a big focus, but I got invited to join this national development team for under 23 riders. And that was like a dream set up for me, you know, because we got like trade team type of support, but 
we could, you know, finish 250th place and not get fired, you know, so. <laughs> it's a little safety net. It's a little safety net, for sure. Yeah, but so, also some freedom to experiment, to try different things, to, to sort of, you just feel a little security. It, it enables you to, to maybe take some risks or just definitely. be more secure. And, and yeah, to figure out, to make that jump from a junior rider to the pro ranks is really difficult. You know, yeah. it's just a such a big jump. And that's what, you know, USA Cycling saw that that hurdle was too big for, you know, people to to take it to the next step. So that's why they started that, that program is to, you know, sort of help with that, with that hurdle. So, and, and at the time, like, who are your, I mean, you're still living in Missoula traveling a bit, but like, who are your, you got to have some role models in town that you're sort of getting out on training rides with getting insight and advice from, is that? Is, is yeah. That... Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the community here has uh, a lot of really strong riders, you know, the, yeah. I mean, Alex Gallego mm-hmm. was, uh, was my coach early on got out on rides and, you know, gave me a lot of good advice and, uh, and helped me, you know, take it to the next level. Um, Jamal Hahn and yep. Kiefer Hahn, yep. the old Hahn brothers there, sure. uh, man, they were just so cool too, you know, and they, uh, I used to ride for this club team, Five Valley Velo, uh-huh. and Jamal was the, the junior coach okay. and, you know, right off of, you know, he had just been racing on the pro road circuit. So, you know, he was, just this hero, complete hero, you know, and yeah, um, yeah, showed the couple kids that were into it. There weren't many. There were, you know, sort of three of us that were were psyched on cross country racing, and uh, he, you know, took us on rides and and showed us the ropes and taught us a lot. Sure, I mean that's kind of your north star, your mentor, somebody or you know, collection of people that can show you what's possible. But at some point, I mean. You kind of, and this is not necessarily to draw comparisons between you and all those great riders, but at some point you, you kind of transcend. And that that was the point where I sort of came into just being aware of, of you coming to town. And they're like, oh, Sam Schultz, the local hero, the Olympian, turn it on and watch him race. Like, So there's got to be this inflection point where like this is really happening for you. And, and you're, I'm sure all these people around you have said this sort of stuff's possible, but for it to then become possible, it's got to be, or for then it, for not for it to become possible, for it to actually happen, it's got to be pretty amazing. Yeah, definitely. You know, I wasn't ever really focusing on trying to have a career in mountain yeah. bike racing or even go to the Olympics. You know, I was just loved riding my mountain bike and trying to get faster, kind of a big dork, you know, just like geeking out about what, you know, what my friend Logan and I would like count grams like insane okay. I, was, I had like the lightest bikes i ever had when i was in high school because i sure you know just like cutting weight everywhere just doing right. just being ridiculous you yeah. know but we just loved i mean we just geeked out about it and just loved the, the whole process you know and, and the training process i started to really get into that and just eking out you know watch wherever you can and um and trying to just yeah figure out what what works for for me personally mm-hmm. um and then yeah so part of that development program i got to um, you know, live at the Olympic Training Center, be surrounded around, you know, peers that were also... Sure, the culture, the whole thing. Yeah, so so that was that was pretty cool, you know, and um, it was when I was on that program, uh, the, the manager of that team was, uh, he's like, you need to, you know, change your mindset, like, you should be doing this, like, focus on doing this as a job, and I was like, oh, okay. it was like, you know, definitely, like, sort of good advice yeah <laughs> but like, like like you need you know, to bring some professionalism to this yeah not that it, he's like you know it was more like he was pointing out that i, I could do that you know yeah, yeah. which was i was like well no one's ever really told me that <laughs> you know so that was, it was actually really cool to hear you know so i was like huh maybe this could be like a job you know so yeah 
um, that's that like sort of shifted my perspective a bit, sure. you know, and then still the Olympics weren't really on the radar until, um, you know, I, I got named to the Olympic long team before the Beijing Olympics. And that was, that was a long time. That was like 2008 was the, yeah. the year of the Olympics, the Beijing Olympics. And, uh, so I was like, well, I'm on the long team, but I wasn't, didn't really have any shot of making the actual team. Okay. But, so yeah, explain that distinction. So the long team yeah, yeah. Version. So the long team, basically, um, they choose people like it's a total of six riders that are um, doing well at international competition, like the best placed riders at international XCO format racing. And um, they pick, you know, depending on what our nation ranking is and how many start spots we get at the Olympics, Uh it's anywhere from one to three start spots at the Olympics. You know, so they pick the the Olympic team from that long team that was announced the year before. It's more just like a way to keep people honest, make sure that there's enough um, talent actually traveling to these international events to get points to actually get enough start spots. Sure. So the long team is just sort of a formality a bit, you know. Um, But I was like, oh, I'm sort of actually... You're in the conversation. I'm in the conversation, you know. And and that kind of brings up a question. I know we've talked about this a little bit before, but, you know, as 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 a cyclist, mountain biker, whatever, like the Olympics aren't necessarily the thing that's on the radar screen or maybe they are but yeah no it's uh you're thinking world cup or national circuit yeah world championships um you know you win world championships you get like a special jersey that you wear the the whole rest of the year you know and it's uh that's a big deal in the in the cycling culture and you know i didn't quite realize i was definitely uh in the in the bubble land you know like i was just like oh whatever the cycling community thinks is the biggest is like the most important you know but the olympics obviously is a lot wider breadth, you know, a lot, yeah. lot more people. It's a lot bit more visible to a lot more people, and it means more to a lot mm-hmm. more people, obviously. So um, it was interesting to, like, yeah, sort of figure figure that out. Yeah, yeah. And so, okay, so you're, you're named to this long team, 2008, training through. At what point, what year did you win the national title? Uh, 2012. 2012, is that the Olympic year? Yeah. So, I mean, you could say that's that was kind of the high watermark of that phase of your cycling career. Yeah. Right? Yeah, definitely. It came crashing down pretty quickly after that, but it well, was... We uh, haven't got to that chapter oh, yet. Oh, yeah, yeah. That'll, that'll come, but... Um, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, so that was, like, that was sort of the, the height of the that, that style of racing. Right. Of racing, just period, kind of, yeah, I guess. I mean, it, I'm speaking from, like, a total fanboy here. Like, what's it like to represent your country? Like, how's that feel? Man, it was cool. That yeah. was uh, That was one of the you know, most amazing parts of it is just having, having that support and just knowing that like you're, you know, you're representing, representing the country and, yeah. and everyone's, everyone's behind you. And especially, you know, it seems like going to the Olympics as, you know, a Montana resident, there weren't, I think I might've been the only Montana, there might've been one wrestler. It's not a large number. Not a large number of Olympians, you know? So, um, so I got, it was, it was cool. I got some, you know, really good support from that. And, um, definitely fed off of it <laughs> that's funny you know i've lived in a few places and you know now living in montana it's sort of normal to be here and this is just sort of our home but like montana's got a novelty effect other places in the world definitely <laughs> oh yeah and you know like on the at the olympics you know i had a, a good good group of family and friends that were there cheering and they had montana flags oh yeah and people oh, yeah. were like what country is that <laughs> It's bigger than most countries in the Olympics. <laughs> right. A lower population, though. Anyway, so, yeah, you alluded to it. So, yeah, things took a turn for the worse health-wise. You had some really challenging struggles with your back. We don't need to get into the details about that. But what what I find interesting and really admirable is, like, 
you had a series of injuries that sort of took away your ability to perform in that arena at that level, right? That the World Cup cross country level. Yeah. But now you've kind of found this really interesting and inspirational presence in cycling, both as you know, a, a coach for the cycling house, as somebody who's an advocate for high school bike racing, but also you're, you're kind of on the racing scene yourself again, just fresh off of the BC bike race. You've yeah. Kind of, yeah. Talk about that. Yeah. I mean, you know, I guess I um, was pretty focused on, on racing for a lot of yeah. years, you know, so I was like, oh, man, I can't do this anymore. I don't really know quite what. I want to do and right. you know I had a couple of back surgeries and like fought really hard to try to get back to racing and just beating my head against the wall you know and I finally realized that you know maybe I can't quite do what I used to do and so decided you know I would just kind of do what I wanted to do mm. and um try to keep some sort of foot in the door with which the is industry. very different uh, just to interject saying that's very different from sort of saying well I'm gonna go find a job at the hardware store. Nothing is working at the hardware store, right? But but yeah, you know, well, a lot of a lot of people sort of aren't able to have the courage to do the sorts of things you did to put a portfolio of cycling oriented activities together. Yeah, and I was you know definitely lucky in in a lot of regards. You know, like um, I I hit the tail end of like making some sort of reasonable amount of money in the bike racing world, you know, and I didn't have many expenses when I was racing, you know, so I saved some money. So it was nice to have, have the, you know, not have to rush into a job that I wasn't psyched about. You're not selling your bikes to pay rent. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll still sell my bikes and (laughs) maybe, (laughs) maybe pay some rent with it. Keep me in mind. No, no, I don't, uh, yeah, don't, don't have to, you know, so, um, it's, um, it's a good spot to be, you know, so I'm not, not stressed and it's let me just really take my time, maybe a little bit to a fault, but I'm just, yeah. uh, you know, I've been enjoying the process. So, you know, I was like, well, I can't race anymore. So I was still working with this, this team is the Ride Biker Alliance. Um, mm-hmm. And I, you know, it was like, all right, well, maybe I'll, I'll try to build out, uh, you know, portfolio of a few sponsors and, and travel to some events and, and do like lead group rides on the course and try to, you know, teach folk that flopped, you know, like nobody showed up to those, those pre rides. I'm like, oh man, this, wait, wait, this you, sucks. you stuck in a term there. What's the, you're showing them what? Oh, um, like, like pre-riding the race course, which is, you know, something that like, uh, usually, you know, if there's a cross country race, you show up. Oh, that flopped the, is what you said. Yeah, Sorry, totally. Oh like, yes. What on earth did he say? Yeah, no, that was a flop. Uh, okay. It didn't, uh, didn't really go super well. And it's, it's just challenging to try to, I don't know. I, I had it was a it was a good eye opener for sure. You know, it was hard to find, you know, sponsors that were into it, obviously, well, and um, and especially if I'm, you know, I kind of thought like, oh, I'm gonna this is a great thing. Like I would have totally gone on a ride with a with a you know former pro racer if I was a junior or something like that, and I'd be psyched on it to take some you right. know advice and feedback and you know see the course through through their eyes. So I kind of thought it would would be cool, but I don't know. Um, if it just wasn't uh, presented well or it just doesn't fit into, you know, whatever, you know, people have their specific uh, race prep that they like to go through and not, not mess with it too much, you know? So, or, you know, I mean, I guess ultimately not that many people wanted to go riding with me. Hey, this is Jeff Petticord and you're listening to A New Angle. This episode of A New Angle was brought to you by the Montana Code School, enabling the next generation of code-savvy workers. Are you looking to breathe life into your career and maybe bag a promotion at your existing employer? Join Montana's exploding tech sector with great opportunities from local tech companies such as Submittable, ClassPass, ATG, and more. 
The Montana Code School has full-time and part-time coding programs designed to open up a world of new code-savvy career opportunities, from digital marketer to customer service and web design to junior developer. To learn more about Montana Code School's programs, visit www.montanacodeschool.com slash a new angle. That's www.montanacodeschool.com slash a new angle. Seats are filling up fast for mid-September classes with financing options available. Check out these guys. They do tremendous work. I mean, this might be challenging to think about, but like, I'm sure at that moment in your life, like you're, you've got mixed emotions about your relationship with the bike and there's, you know, athletes want to stay relevant, particularly competitive athletes. We compare ourselves to what we were. Right. I know at 44 or 43, I compare myself to my, you know, 29 year old self and I'm always getting my ass kicked (laughs) by that person. So it's hard. So what's going on in your mind as you're like trying to, you know, you're, you're sort of, establishing a different relationship with this culture that you used to be on top of on a certain dimension. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting for sure, you know, because it's like, you know, as a racer, you're only as good as your last race. That's what, that's what people say. And it's, it's true. Sadly, pretty true, you know? So, so yeah, I was like, oh man, well, but the key part of it is as a racer, Right. That qualifier. That qualifier. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So then, it, yeah, it was just like, okay, it was, it was sort of a blessing in disguise. You know, I didn't have um, much support. I had, you know, foot in the door with a couple of companies just getting like a deal on bikes at that point and sort of disappointed about that a little bit, you know, but I was just like, well, I'll just, uh, you know, sort of do what I want to do. Sure. Because there's, you know, no one's, no one's like, I, I got a little bit of money, but it wasn't like, yeah, no one's like paying me to to be anywhere specific or to do any. Okay. You know, it, it was just like, okay, we'll we'll sort of work with you because whatever you're because you're here you, and you're you willing. Keep, you keep pestering us, you, you, but you um, got the stoke, right? I mean, yeah. you're bringing a positive energy. That's right. people want to be around that. They want to associate with that. So yeah, I mean, you're sort of downplaying these assets that you bring right, to right. the table <laughs> as somebody that a race director would want around, but also as somebody that that what sponsors would want around because they realize like. You know, we could pay the guy who wins the race a bunch of money to continue to do that. But the guy who wins the race, he might be a jerk and might just get out of his trailer, go ride the race, and go home. Yeah. But if he wins the race, he keeps the sponsorship. Well, that's the interesting thing, too, is, you know, when I started racing, uh, social media wasn't really a thing, you right, know. And right. so it was just about race results. But I always, you know, always knew it's like it's more than that, obviously. You can't just, like, leave your fancy team trailer, uh-huh. get on your bike, and just race and not talk to people or interact. Like, that's not, you know that's not really valuable unless you're winning everything. And even still it's like, you yeah. know, and then you're putting a lot more pressure. So I was always pretty, pretty decent and like, you know, mindful about just trying to have a little bit more presence. Um, but it was sort of hard to even get um, any place to like, I just like lost all relevance sort of. And I was like that it was kind of shocking a little yeah. bit, you know, I was like, yeah. or not, maybe not shocking, but I was like a little disappointed. I was like, man, well, I guess, you know, come at this another angle and so instead of yeah instead of getting like bummed about it, i was just like okay well i'm just gonna go do cool rides and and a few events that i'm psyched about and um and see how it goes you know and and luckily i got you know plugged into some some really good companies rocky uh-huh. mountain bikes has been yeah. awesome you know and like getting to know them it's like fit into the culture well and um really like hanging out with that crew so they've become you know more supportive and sort of understood like 
that there is uh, another role out there that that can be played. Yeah, it seems like there at least the the stuff I've seen Rocky produce that has you in it, Sam. It seems like they're they're kind of celebrating your your just stoke and commitment to the cycling lifestyle in multiple dimensions. Does that feel accurate? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, and just um, you know, I sort of joke, but but sort of serious about like just you know sort of carving out a role as a professional soul rider you know yeah, i just like yeah. to go out and like ride and have fun i mean and... that's happened in other sports surfing snowboarding skiing you see it in all sorts of other otherwise competitive sports i mean there's a place for that you can tell stories about it that people want to buy into definitely and you know the interesting thing about mountain biking is you know there's this whole subset of like non-racers like free riders that are yeah. insanely talented and that have you know way more they can do double backflips off of 50, you know crazy stuff foot gaps or whatever and so you know, it's like, okay, we're, like, still have to find some sort of specialty. Um, and so it's been, you know, I still like doing big backcountry rides and, yep. and riding a lot, you know, and staying, you know, as fit as I can. Um, and so it ended up, you know, jumping into um, a race last year, BC Bike Race, uh-huh. which is, like, a week-long stage race. Up in British Columbia. Up in British Columbia, yep. yes. Yeah, starts um, in Vancouver, and you take ferries along, you know, Vancouver Island and the Sunshine Coast. And come back to Vancouver and Squamish. It's it's a really cool event. Yeah. Um, and so and this is a top level pro bike race. Right? Yeah, it's a it's yeah it's not a not, it's not easy, World Cup. It's but... not World Cup, but there's it's a it's one of the you know bigger stage races um, around. And what gave you the courage to sort of dip your toe back into that level of racing again? Well, I was a little bit nervous, but I you know set real low expectations. <laughs> it was uh, you know Rocky Mountain was like. Hey, do you want to do this? Like it's oh, okay. in their backyard. It's um, they're a big sponsor of the event, okay. and I was like, yeah, that that's been one that's been on my bucket list for a long time. You know, you're camping in these amazing places mm-hmm. with um, and you know good food. It's just uh, really cool scene. You yeah. know, float plane transfer between sounds really stage. It's it's not a, it's not too bad. You know, so and the courses are cool enough that you know I was like, well, man, even if my back sucks and I'm soft pedaling, it's still a pretty cool place to be riding and yeah, you know. Uh, just see it at a different different speed. Um, mm-hmm. So I set that expectation. You know, I was like, "Yeah, I'd love to." I don't know how it's going to go. And they're like, "Oh, that's totally fine. We'd just be psyched to have you here." Yeah. So that was sort of how I set you know set the expectation, and then it ended up going you know better than expected. Uh-huh. And so it's like, you know, I don't I'm not trying to do too many races or like put too much weight on racing right now, but it's fun to be able to jump into that and and you know I guess sort of show that even in my you know van down by the river lifestyle like i'm still sort of uh you know semi-fast at least yeah you know? so how does that feel like in and amongst in and amongst the guys racing i mean you got to be there's probably guys in the race that you know never heard of you because they're 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 a little younger and then other guys that you maybe went head to head with back in the day and then everything in between how's how's that kind of been coming in and out of that culture yeah. um it's definitely you know it's been interesting. It's been really fun to to link back up with some some old friends that I raced yeah. with um, a lot back in the day. You know, sort of like the the mountain bike circuit is like a it's like a traveling circus. Sure. Every weekend you're at the same place with the same group of people, and so you know you get to know people pretty well, and um, and it's fun. You're just mm-hmm. hanging out, and so it's been good to get back to you know hanging out with some of those people. And it's interesting. Um, this uh, I guess Pat. Uh, you know, two weeks ago or whatever at, at BC Bike Race, the first stage I, I lined up and, you know, wasn't totally on the front, but like sort of towards the front. And it's kind of getting edged out by these, 
European guys. Oh yeah. And uh, and then they because I'm you know I've got long hair and a mustache and I'm wearing you know you're bag- wearing your casual seven uh, mesh clothing. I'm wearing too, my right? yeah, yeah my yeah. seven. We'll mesh talk baggies. more about that. In a and um and you know it's definitely uh, a lycra dominated sport. Yeah. And so yep. um the, those European guys told me later they're like. We were, we were wondering what that guy with the <laughs> you know long hair and the mustache was, that was doing, uh, you know, near the front, and then they're like, you know, so they they sort of apologized, but right, um, right, it's right. just it's it's sort of funny. Absolutely, and the body held up pretty good. It did. So yeah. you did it last year. We 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 sort of blurred over some details. You did it last year, but then again this year, yeah, had a good race. I remember you were on the podium for the first few stages, and then yeah, yeah, this year pretty high up. Um, yeah, I ended up, I think I finished seventh, you know, I had a, um, which I'm, I'm psyched with, you know, like I was, uh, finished second the first two days and I was like, oh, this is, this this is feeling pretty good. And then I got a little bit tired. Um, I had the one day where I, I got three flat tires, um, sort of, sort of due to, yeah, just poor setup and some, some operator error um, and a little bit of bad luck, I think. But, (laughs) um, so that was, that was a long day. I lost some time. And then, yeah, I had one another day where I just got pretty tired after chasing pretty hard the flat tire day. So it was all in all, though, it was really fun. Yeah. Good experience to get back to it. Yeah. So, so you alluded to this before with, you know, you're your kind of you show up on the race course, your long hair, your mustache, and you got these baggy shorts. So you've been working with this company, Seven Mesh, the last year or so. And they're kind of in that, uh, I mean, it's super high end performance gear, but it's kind of in that casual non-spandex yeah space, well so, right? so they actually um they have a full you know spandex line you know oh, so okay. they have like they have road gear too but they also they make you know amazing uh mountain bike clothing that's just for you know more on the more casual side yep. you know so so baggy shorts and just uh like henley style jerseys yep. that are you know a, a wool blend that are amazing they're like really nice to ride in but they look pretty casual it's great stuff but you don't typically see it on the podium at yeah the, like you know pro end of people, a bike race. you know have their have their lycra that's like covered in sponsors yeah yeah and they look a little bit more nascar so i encourage anybody interested to check out sam's instagram and check out some of those images from the first few stages because they're, they're kind of funny <laughs> <laughs> but in a good way so again another sponsor seven seven mesh they've been good to work with you're working with smith optics and this other company you told me about, your buddy's uh, sort of ergonomics-oriented company around cycling products. Tell me about that. Yeah. Um, well, Catahoula Ergonomics, it's, uh, it's a, a saddle company. And it's, um, you know, Brian Williams is the, I guess he's, he's the guy behind it. It's his garage yeah, that he makes them garage. in. <laughs> and, uh, and he does the whole process. Everything starts to finish. So um, he makes yeah, these just amazing saddles that have sort of changed uh, – my ability to ride a bike, you know, really? like it's, it's been really big for my back. Um, uh-huh. th- his designs are, I mean, he's, he's a, a genius, you know, he's figured out the whole process of like forming, you know, carbon shells, bending rails, uh, making foam, car- you yeah. know, making start to finish this, the whole process, which is amazing, you know, and, and it's, uh, an incredible product, you know? So, so what's his secret sauce with saddles? I mean, saddles are interesting. Everybody thinks, I mean, they're very individualized as far as personal preference, but like, what makes somebody think, okay, I'm going to make a better saddle, and here's why. Here's my market opportunity. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I think he's just really in tune with like the importance of hip alignment on a bike, you know. Okay. And so there is a there's a big you know channel in the middle, but it's uh it's wider through the nose, and it just gives you good feedback. Like what I what happens to me is like you know my back still tightens up and I'll get sort of lopsided on the bike, and once I start doing that, then it just 
it's a snowball that you know, just gets yeah. a lot worse. So with uh, with those saddles, I just get a little bit more feedback and can keep my my pelvis in just a more neutral place, which uh, you know keeps my back from locking up. Yeah, where's he at with? kind of uh, so that's the going, thing i, I want to ask people to knock on his door because yeah, yeah, uh, we got to go. figure out how to you know how to make this thing keep working um i think the production is is the hard part you know because sure. there's just so much time that goes into each seat so he hasn't so he's uh, still making them in his garage he's laying still, yeah, up the curb and yeah, all that so um you know i don't know i'm i'm hoping that uh that he can figure out how to how to get the production up a bit but um, we got to get brian down to the yeah, Blackstone Launchpad here at UM to uh, get some entrepreneurial advice from our team here. Yeah, yeah, um, that would be that'd be sweet. There you go. If you're listening, Brian, knock on our door. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay, so um, I want to be res- respectful of your time, Sam. But one thing I know that's really important to you is your work with Nika and high school is trying to establish a high school bike racing league in the state of Montana, concurrent with some other issues uh, or other efforts like that going on in the region. You want to speak a little bit about that? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, and so that's, that's been sort of a, a big, you know, side project that I've been working on lately, you know, in addition to just my own, you know, personal riding goals, it's been kind of cool to, to work on something a little, little bigger than, um, yeah. just me riding, riding my bike around. So, sure. um, but, uh, yeah, so NICA is the National Interscholastic Cycling Association, and um, they're in 22 states now um, throughout the country, and it's growing really quick. It's been super successful. Um, Idaho has a league, and they're, you know, last fall they finished their third season, and they've got a ton of kids that are really excited about it, and it's it's thriving. So uh-huh. the, it's, the time is is right, I think, to, to get it going in Montana, and uh, we got approved by the national organization, which okay. is a pretty... Um, in-depth process you sure know, you have to provide a bid and you know outline a bunch of venues and support team and basically it's a statement that this state and the organization behind it has its act together to execute pretty much yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Right so um we we got approved for that and um so now we're we're actually the the word will officially come out um at some point this week but by the time the we're airing it's, it'll be it'll be out you know awesome um so i'm really excited about that so yeah, just uh, building up towards that. I'll get you know busy this fall, spreading the word. And yep, um, yep. is it know, a fall season? For it'll the, be a, it'll for be the a fall season. So so yeah, we're gonna um, you know as long as everything goes smooth, we should be coming out as uh, you know fall of 2019 will be the first year that we're fully fully functional with a with a race series and everything. So this fall it's just like getting trained by the national organization and spreading the word, checking out the venues, making sure that everything's good to go yeah so you know the big thing that we're looking for now is um you know coaches in as many communities as we can get them sure um that's 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 the key you know and the cool thing about nika is they provide really great coach training uh-huh. so you don't have to have any mountain bike experience to to be a coach it's, it's you know the most important thing for the coaches i mean it's great to have some some that are you know in tune with with riding but um biggest thing is that they're good with kids yeah you know and, and like working with kids and, and keeping it fun so um it's it's well well supported through you know the training and um makes it pretty easy to to take on and um but yeah we're also i mean i guess spreading the word and then and looking for uh for donors and uh and sponsors as well so more of that will will come up but if you're interested in getting involved in in any way um yeah how how do uh interested moms and dads or you know friends or whoever people who want to be coaches or volunteer or have ideas for sponsors how do they find you and learn yeah more about um this? you can send me an email at sam at montana mtb.org um or check out the website montana mtb.org 
Right on. Yeah. So um, I just want to close with a couple questions about what's what's next. I mean, you've carved out this this sort of, and I mean these in all these are all positively valenced terms for me, but like you're kind of this soul cycling vagabond in a way. I mean, the van down by the river, you mentioned it before, but you got the sweet sprinter van. You're going from place to place down to Arizona, do some cycling house stuff up to Canada, do a race and everywhere in between. I mean, what's, this sounds like a pretty good deal. You just keep it going as long as you can. Yeah, it's, it's good. You know, and it's, um, what I found is, you know, it's all about balance, yeah. you know? So, um, having the right amount of those events and, and being able to stay, you know, relevant somewhat as, as relevant as I can in the industry and, and keeping a foot in, foot in the door in that way. It's, it's really fun for me. Um, but definitely want to keep the balance, you know, and, um, not tilt it too far to getting to the point where I'm at races every weekend and, and doing too much of that, you know, but, um, yeah. but I love being involved with it. So I'm going to definitely keep that going and it works well with, uh, with the, the NICA program that I'm getting rolling. So, you know, can definitely balance that stuff, keep working for cycling house a bit, you know, but I think, uh, eventually, you know, NICA is going to, take over you know a, a bigger portion of sure. of time but but yeah definitely not going to quit um you know riding bikes in amazing places with really cool people yeah and uh, particularly in in summer in the american west in montana in particular that is uh i don't know if balance is something you want to try to achieve i mean you just got to get after it while it's here <laughs> totally yeah, yeah you're you're right Awesome. Well, Sam, always an inspiration. Look forward to our next conversation. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. All right. Super fun conversation with Sam. Really respect how that guy has transitioned um, into a new relationship with cycling and carved out a pretty awesome existence in the sport that he loves. Next week, we have Holly Truitt. Holly is the director of the Broader Impacts Group here at the University of Montana. But, you know, really any one title does not really describe the the impact that Holly has, not only on this community here on the university campus, but um, far beyond the state of Montana and the country in general. She's doing incredible work. We'll talk all about it next week. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening to A New Angle. We really appreciate it. Remember that A New Angle was brought to you by CED, Consolidated Electrical Distributors. They're one of the largest electrical wholesale suppliers in the country with nearly 600 locations nationwide. CED is a privately held business-to-business company that distributes just about every piece of equipment you need to keep your lights on, your energy flowing, and your lifestyle comfortable. CED is also an important employer in our community, and they have a keen interest in University of Montana graduates. To explore career opportunities, check out www.cedcareers.com. And if you enjoy this podcast, there are several ways you can support it. First, please rate us on iTunes. Ratings help others find the podcast. Second, write a review. The more reviews we get, and hopefully positive ones, the more we can grow. And third, just tell your friends about it. Before we go, I'd like to thank a few folks for making this podcast happen. First off, thanks to Elizabeth Willey, Communications Director here at the College of Business. And thanks to our fabulous interns, Savannah Slutton and Max Gibson. I'd also like to give a special shout out to VTO for providing us with music. And finally, thanks to our producer, Jeff Meese. As we go, if you have any questions, suggestions, comments, insults, whatever, please email me at anewangle at umontana.edu. Help us spread the word and be sure to use the hashtag anewangle when you do. Thanks a lot and see you next time.